Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers with your host, Peggy Smedley. This is ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley, and this is going to be an important show. We are going to be talking all about road safety, but first, we want to remind you to subscribe to our 365e newsletter. This can help you stay up to date on technologies and trends impacting construction, and there is a lot of important information that can help you and your job sites. We have content ranging from road safety, robotics, drones, artificial intelligence, 3D, and even changes in crane training. If you can imagine it, we can cover it. Uh, be sure to check out all of the news and features, and you can do that by visiting conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. So let's get to today's show. We will be focusing on road safety. Each year, sadly, 1.25 million people are killed on roads, and another 50 million are injured. Road traffic injuries are the eighth leading cause of death worldwide. As I see it, it's too many. And there are a number of ways to improve road safety, including road safety management, road mobility, safer vehicles, and safer road users. Now, there needs to be a paradigm shift in road safety. And this requires, I think, rethinking and simply a fundamental change in road safety policies. A safe system is built on the premise that road crashes are both predictable and sometimes preventable. And that means improving safety performance. We have a great guest to chat more about all of this today. And he has two decades of experience in entrepreneurial business development. In his previous role, he was associate partner in industry innovation lead at IBM. And he is known for breaking down all kinds of new ground using connected analytics solutions. Please welcome David Bronstein, president of Together for Safer Roads. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peggy. It's great to be here. So, David, it's great to have you on the show today, and I know you've got a lot of things going on there and a lot of excitement over there, and I'd love for you to talk with us and explain to us who is Together for Safer Roads, because it's important for you to talk about that, because if we look at it right now, just from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it is reports that fatal injuries to workers on road construction, and I'd love for you to clarify this, between 2003 and 2015, we had 1,571 workers lost their lives at road construction sites. And the number of fatal work-related injuries in road construction sites, I mean, if you look at that, was like 121 per year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, Peggy. It's uh, Look, the, the uh, issues around road safety are numerous. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, our audience and and many people who are helping to build uh, you know out these environments and the and the roads that we all use uh, are at risk as well. So we look together for safer roads was founded you know on the premise that the private sector can help. Private sector can help uh, the public sector. Private sector can help each other to improve the situation, uh, broadly speaking, with road safety. So how do we do that? We, as a coalition founded in 2015, uh, you know, bring together our members' knowledge, the data that we have access to, the technologies that we have access to or create, and our global business networks to actually focus on those five areas you were referring to earlier, those five pillars of 
safer road systems to make the greatest impact on road safety globally. Um, and, you know, and we've had some good success. There's a lot more work to be done, as you pointed out, in the construction industry alone. You know, there are still some dramatic issues with keeping people safe on the road. So we are here as a resource to the global road safety community to help solve specific problems and bring our own expertise as private sector players to, to bear and, and finally bend the curve on road safety. And that's an important thing that you mentioned there, because if I look at this over the last 13 years, I think from 2013 even to 2015, each state has had different amounts of deaths within their worker sites. If you look at it, like Texas ranked as the most and had the highest construction injuries uh, and deaths, I should say. And then it was Florida and Pennsylvania, Illinois, California, Tennessee, and the list goes on. But we have to look at what can the construction companies do better, I think, to train their workers, I think, to be safer. And we want them to go home each night to their families. So so let's talk right. about that because I think that's the most important thing when we're discussing this, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is all about the social mission that we're on, the, to keep people safe so they can go home to their families. 100% agree. We talk about that all the time in our coalition. So. And, and and how do we do that? How do we get that? Because I think when we think about right. construction sites, we, we train our workers and they're trained yeah. and then we kind of get lax sometimes at the training. You know, we forget what we've got to do and somebody does some really like, I don't want to say they get la- the words lax, but I don't know what is the right word that we forget and we don't follow through with what we were trained a year ago, yeah. two years ago. I mean, it's got to be a lot of repetition. What is it we have to do to keep our workers safe at those job sites? Yeah, I, I think the the thing that our members uh, always preach to each other and to the community at large is that, that you really need to build a culture of safety. And I know you're, you know, the, the audience, you know, for this podcast are very familiar with that. But I think it really does become a part of the day to day. Uh, you know, culture and pride that people take in the work that they do, that, that's when culture really takes hold. And so what our members, uh, many of our best members who have very mature road safety programs, you know, they, they celebrate their successes together. They celebrate individual examples of, of people and business units and whatnot that are having exceptional track records. So they measure a lot. And then they celebrate their successes. And also, very importantly, they're not afraid to have hard conversations with each other about where they're still having problems. So they don't sweep anything under the rug. They do very, very thorough post-crash analyses to learn from those and and even highlight when, when unfortunately, they've had a fatal incident on a site you know, they, or on a route. They actually talk about it. And it reminds people, and it goes to the heart of the matter, which is bringing people home safely, that creating that empathy as a part of your road safety culture or your safety culture in general is really critical. And our best members are doing that day in and day out. And that empathy that you have reminds people that they need to be careful, even when they're not consciously thinking about it. They're being more careful through through that empathy that they create in their road safety programs. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I think one of the interesting things or when we look at what is injured, we're looking at individuals that I think when we're looking here, David, we have construction laborers, 
We have those that are operating, you know, heavy tractor trailer, the drivers of those. I think we have construction equipment operators. We have front, you know, those first line supervisors, um, uh, or even extraction workers. I think even the highway maintenance workers. I mean, the list goes on. So you, yeah. you made a really important point about celebrating the successes, but also pointing out where, where the failures occurred. And I think it, yeah. it runs the gamut of where these injuries and these deaths occur. So pointing it yeah. out and rewarding and also looking at what did they do wrong so that they're all looking at it. It's not just one group. It's a lot of different people within those construction right. sites, right? And, and Peggy, a hundred percent. And Peggy, you bring up a very important point, which is different roles have different concerns and different risk factors, right? So if you're operating heavy equipment or slow-moving vehicles or whatnot on a site, if that's your particular role, you might have slightly different concerns than somebody else who's in a different role. Now, you're all working as a team, and nobody wants their team member to, to get injured. So team aspect comes into play, but when you think about the specific roles, I think that we as companies and we as individuals owe it to ourselves to think about our specific roles and how we can continue to improve in those roles. And if there isn't a solution, maybe we need to brainstorm new solutions. Like one of our member companies is a company called Republic Services, and they are one of our best members when it comes to this notion of post, uh, post-crash post analysis. And they go down to very detailed levels in order to understand what happened, what role was involved, what was the business process, where is the breakdown, and then... They don't, they don't stop there, clearly, and they, they actually come up with new solutions to the problems to the point where now they get their, their injury rates down by role, you know, you know, as much as they can. So they're ferreting out these problems by role, by route, you know, at a very grand level. And, you know, that can be difficult and sometimes it's daunting, but that discipline is what it takes to create a real safety culture. And, you know, again, I can't say that enough. If you are concerned about these people on the sites, then you have to be committed to that part of the process and and bring those same people into the problem-solving equation so that you can come up with that next solution that keeps the next person safe. As you described it, you know, of what Republic Services is doing, that they're doing these post-crash analysis. That's, that takes a lot of discipline. It was interesting to hear you say that. Are they applying these kind of technologies, this analysis, to give them the data that needs to be installed not only on, on, on what they're doing individually, but on the equipment that they're using? I mean, are we seeing that, that they have to have the right technology to enable right. the analysis as well? Is it a twofold, a two-prong, I it, guess, analysis? It is. It can sometimes be about the individual, you know, behaviors of the workers, uh, of their staff, of their team members, but it can also be about the technologies that are deployed and what gaps there might still be there. So, again, sticking with Republic as an example, um, they actually have a strong interest in understanding, you know, visibility around the vehicle because they operate very large vehicles picking up waste uh, and and other things from businesses and actually consumers as well. And they have visibility issues. So, you know, they're installing technologies that allow them to in, improve visibility all the time. And they're pushing the envelope. We have um, one of our global entrepreneurship program members is in conversation with companies like Republic about how you use LiDAR technology 
you know, which is the subsystem and technology behind autonomous vehicles. And how do you retrofit large vehicles, slow-moving vehicles, so you can eliminate blind spots? So it doesn't become about can the driver actually see something, but it's actually the driver being assisted by new technologies like LiDAR to see things they could never have seen before and head off a crash or, or an incident with potentially a vulnerable road user too, right? I mean, it could be somebody else that's near your work site but isn't on the work site, God forbid, that gets injured and you want to be able to see them. And technology comes, technology has come a long way to helping us with those things. We're going to go way beyond lighting up our vehicles like Christmas trees so people can see us into things where we can see things that we haven't seen before and our vehicles are going to actually be smarter than ever before so that the drivers and operators actually have are assisted in that safety mission. So as we talk about using LiDAR and other technology to help kind of like the heavy equipment to move and safely and navigate in kind of these densely populated construction sites that you're just talking about, we're discovering that sometimes it's not just the operator. It just happens to be what's happening in the situation that you just described with limited visibility. So technology is actually aiding in worker safety is what we're talking about more and more at these construction sites. When we, yeah. when I articulated some of these horrible numbers earlier where we're seeing yeah. these number of deaths, we can eliminate that and, and maybe not eliminate, but maybe reduce the number when we mm-hmm. apply technology to the problem. That's right. And, and so the sensors are one part of it. If you think about the LIDAR piece, that's the sensor that lets us see things we couldn't have seen before in three dimensions, right? But, it's equally important to think about yourself as being a part of a community that's that's in and around a particular space, right? Whether it's a construction zone or a public space or whatnot. And then start to think about how can I communicate my whereabouts better? We have another entrepreneur program member uh, that is allow- using regular mobile technologies is, is allowing companies to broadcast the whereabouts of their vehicles to others that have an interest in knowing that, right? So they put a small device that takes a light bar and digitizes the light bar and and the signal's coming from the light bar and that flashing light then allows that vehicle to, and its whereabouts to be communicated to others. So imagine that, you know, we have an emergency services vehicle that's going out to a site where there's been a crash. Those emergency service vehicles are now starting to broadcast their location to other road users so that they can steer clear of that of that site. That same thought process applies to construction, where if you think about it, a, a work zone that's gotten set up could be communicated out to the larger road user community so that they can actually take corrective action before they actually encounter that work site. Likewise, on the site, you can imagine that with wearable technology being where it is, whether that's a a smartwatch or whether it's some other device that gets put on, on our construction workers, um, you know, that that device could actually allow the vehicle whereabouts on that site to be communicated to other individuals that are moving about that site so that we can alert people to potential dangers of a large vehicle moving in their direction. And so it can happen within the site. It can happen at the perimeters of the site. It can happen even a mile or two before somebody encounters the site so that they can take a different route, right? So there's a lot of interconnectivity here that that is easily done if we put our minds to it and we commit to those kinds of solutions and think about our own role 
in the construction world as being part of a larger uh, you, you know, set of users of a, of a particular area of a city or a road. So you just described, and correct me if I'm wrong, using mobile technology as this interconnectivity to actually be connected to protective gear for workers on the job site to keep them s- safe in this broader mobile connectivity of all of these devices from the equipment that's that's actually communicating on the job site. That's right. So it could be the vehicles, it could be the individuals, it can be uh, people that are pedestrians, right? There's so much connectivity now between all of us that we can find ways to communicate where we are so that uh, others who have an interest in what we're doing can can understand it and plan for it. So we have to think about how do we bring together all of these safety solutions to address the challenges that you just described that's on a worker safe as work zone right now. And that's what we're ta- describing, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And I think the technology is here. It's being done in, in places, and, and the more that that thought process takes hold and we design safety solutions for construction sites with that thought in mind, I, I think we're going to see some, some improvement. And if we look at that right now, I mean, safety is a priority to every construction company. I mean, construction companies are talking about it all the time that they have because when they have a loss, the cost for them is astronomical. So to invest in this makes sense for both the insurance companies, the construction companies, the equipment companies, everybody involved if there's an injury. And the numbers that we just talked about show that we need to be focusing on this right and and working together yeah. to develop these solutions that, that's right and that that's why our coalition happens to be as broad as it is because we have members that represent the construction industry that represent the logistics industry that represent manufacturers and that represent uh consumer goods companies and represent technology companies and insurance companies so because we as a coalition have realized that we're all sharing these roads, and the construction industry is is no different, right? In that we we all have a stake in not only reducing for the social reasons, and you know, and just you know, keeping our people safe, but also there are real costs to to this, and that just provides the hard numbers around the return on investment, so to speak. But you know, this is this is doing well by doing good at, at its heart, and and the construction industry, I think. Is, is coming along with, with every other industry and realizing that. But why is it taking so long? If we have it all, why are we, is it taking so long to put all these pieces together that you just described? I mean, you, you're describing a few, but we still aren't there yet at this, you, as the way True. you described. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of competing interests, right? And it's not, you know, we operate, uh, in, in a business environment where we have a lot of pressures on us that are, you might consider from a safety perspective, they're externalities, right? These are pressures to make money, pressures to be more productive, pressures to um, keep costs low. So those are all, you know, that's, that's the normal course of business. But we have to raise the bar for ourselves and go beyond compliance and think more broadly about what, what our businesses are about and why investing in these kinds of safety solutions are important. That's part of what CSR preaches as an organization is we need to go beyond compliance and think more broadly about the social costs uh, to our businesses and our communities that we work in so that we invest in the right things. And, 
No, I think there's other things that can be done from a policy standpoint to encourage organizations to adopt these things. Right? We, we would love to see better, um, you know, uh, partnerships with the public sector to help us justify these kinds of investments in safety equipment and safety uh, technologies because that's what it takes to keep people, you know, uh, you know, going home safely to their families at the end of the day. It shouldn't always be a cost to business. You know, there should be other ways that we as a society embrace these things and, and encourage adoption. Are we actually seeing numbers that show the return on investments besides human life? We That's number one. Are there yeah. cost things that you're seeing that you can actually show companies that say, look, this is what, you know, we all want our families to go home, you know, our workers to go home to their families. But are the real quantitative numbers now that you're starting to show? Because sometimes that is an incentive to them. You know, we all talk about it, but sometimes when we could show them, as I said, the bottom line to insurance companies, seeing like things like this, that your insurance companies, your, your, what you pay to insurance will go down. Are there numbers now that you're starting to be able to apply that, you know, some of the examples you have are able to prove and say, here's what we have right now that we can actually show you and demonstrate? Yeah, absolutely. There are. Um, one of uh, our members is a company called Zendrive, and they actually provide a smartphone-based solution for measuring uh, driver behaviors. And, you know, it's sort of a telematic solution, but really baked into a smartphone application. And they've proven time and time again that if you can measure the right uh, driving behaviors and play that back to the users of the app and the, the drivers, that you can dramatically reduce the, somewhere between 30 and 50% reduction in risk factors and then subsequently the costs associated with that based on, you know, giving the operators of these vehicles the right information to self-correct their behaviors, right? And their applications are used for both consumer vehicle operators as well as commercial vehicle operators. So a 30 to 50% reduction in risk exposure is dramatic, and you can imagine how that plays out when the cost can easily escalate into the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars when you have a serious incident on a site. So looking at this right now, what's the biggest thing you would like to articulate to equipment companies, to technology companies, to construction companies going forward? You want them to understand you're, you're starting to see progress. How do we get them to really step it up and really start doing things in 2018? Do we see some real change here? Uh, so I, I would like to start to see companies uh, that embrace this broader ecosystem idea. Look, we all have our own uh, solutions, and we're proud of the products that we produce that that help create productivity for our um, for for our customers and the users of our products. But I think th- this. This approach to road safety, because it is it is so multifaceted and there's so many stakeholders in road safety in particular, we need to start thinking about the different road, road user communities and how we can connect our piece of that puzzle to the other pieces. That's what I would like to see happen at an industry level. So the construction industry and the large players that are supplying or even whatever, the, the influential players in the, in the market for construction equipment and vehicles actually see themselves as part of this ecosystem and start to say, okay, this is my role. This is where I can do the best to help 
you know, improve road safety, but I want to be able to share data and technology and create interconnectivity that's going to allow other communities to benefit from what I know and what I see on these sites, because I don't think there is one solution out there that will solve all the problems. We need to think of ourselves from the outset and design our solutions as a part of an ecosystem. And the more we do that, the the quicker we're going to see these connection points appear, many of which are through technology, that will allow uh, us to keep our people safer on these sites. David, it just occurred to me, do you see this when you talked about, like, connected cities? Do you see that some of these solutions will be a part of the infrastructure that gives us the data when we talk about a connected city that we might get information from that whole connected autonomous vehicle future that we talk about as well Yeah. when we get all yeah. of this? I, I do. I do. Um, some of our members, like an AT&T, has a very large interest in, in smarter cities and the instrumentation of infrastructure. And I, th- I think uh, from what I hear from them, they're seeing a lot of uptake in those kind of IoT solutions for smarter cities. And that will certainly be a part of the equation because we need that that infrastructure will be smarter and it will be communicating things to people about their whereabouts that will help keep everybody safe on the road. So I do believe that that's happening and that's starting to take hold. But I would also say that it isn't just about the infrastructure. You're starting to see new ways that technologies are applied to even moving vehicles, right? So I'll give you an example of that. If you have a a camera system that's being used on a vehicle, that camera system might be keeping people safe uh, by by managing safe distances between two vehicles, for example. However, that same camera system might then be repurposed to actually see the conditions of the roads, which makes a connection to the infrastructure, and then the maintenance of those roads can be improved as well. So you're seeing repurposing of these same technologies for different use cases that then create the interconnectivity between vehicles and infrastructure that we hadn't seen before. There's a lot of great things that are happening and are very, very real around computer vision that are helping us to, you know, connect the dots between infrastructure and vehicles and road users at the same time. And that becomes a multiplicative effect in this whole equation. But infrastructure is definitely a part of it. Well, David, I want to thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And I think uh, Together for Safer Roads is really doing a lot to help us with that. So thank you again. Yeah, thanks very much, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Okay, it's time to bring those numbers down and I think to create the safer roadways. And one way to do that is you just saw us through the use of knowledge and data and technology. And hopefully we've helped to give all of you listeners the first step here on the podcast to do that today. And so this is all the time we have for today's show. So join us next time uh, for Con Expo, Con Ag Radio, which is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. So stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting the construction industry by subscribing to our 360 e-newsletter and you can do that by visiting conexpoconag.com slash subscribe and thank you for tuning in to conexpoconag radio brought to you by the association of equipment manufacturers